Okay, so yeah, as, um, as Vinny said, last week we were looking at the whole issue of if we're going to live with our walls down, and God's been speaking to us about that over the last, well, the last year, seems like, uh, living with our walls down, living openly and generously towards people, not judging people. Um, one of the dangers of that is living with our walls down, we can just get caught up in a crowd. We can just drift with the culture. And in a world that is changing so fast and getting so crazy, it seems, uh, we've got to know how to manage that because we are in this world, but we're not of it. Okay, We want to be a blessing to this world, but we can't bow down to the idols of this world, as we were learning from the video last week of Daniel. We want to, and we are encouraged as those who live in exile, i.e. We are, our, our home is really in heaven in the eternal kingdom. We don't quite fit in to this world. As we live in exile, we seek the prosperity of the world, but we don't live by the principles of this world. We want to make a difference, a good difference in this world, but we do that by being different. And so that was the message last week. And the thing is, the crowds that we can get drawn into are getting bigger. In the age of the internet, the crowds are bigger. And you can be part of a virtual crowd, and there are lots of different crowds. And what happens is people... People say, well, yeah, that's my crowd. They, I agree with them or they agree with me. That's my crowd. I'm not going to listen to other points of view now. I'm not going to listen to other perspectives. I've found my crowd. And there's loads of us, aren't there, on the internet. And the thing is, of course, it can lead to great tragedy. As we saw at the beginning of this year, the storming of the Capitol in Washington. Virtual crowds and actual crowds. And people got killed. And just this last week in Plymouth, uh, a young man had had his mind poisoned and twisted because he felt he was owed something and he got resentful and bitter and people died. A child was killed. Now, I'm I'm looking at extreme examples, but when people get caught up in a crowd mentality, when people end up worshipping the idols of this world, then people die. It can be poisonous. I heard recently somebody call the internet the lead piping of our day. What was he talking about? Well, ancient Rome, one of the reasons it flourished as a civilization was because they had great plumbing. They had lead piping that brought them water to their houses and it flourished partly because of that. But of course, the piping was lead piping and we know that lead is poisonous. And there's at least one historian who said they think that the, the poisoning from the lead piping was one of the things that led to the decline of the Roman civilization. One thing, the very thing that seems to be helping us to flourish and grow can also be poisoning us at the same time. And that's happening with the internet. I'm not against the internet, as you'll see, but it can be poisonous. We have to be careful. It's one of the main challenges of our age. But there are idols out in this world that we must not bow down to. Like this young man, there's there's an idol of sex, for example. And the thing is, idols can often be good things which are turned into God things. When we try to get our value and our life and our hope from something other than God, it's become an idol. Sex is a good thing when it's it's under God's guidelines. But when, as, as we've done in our culture, we make it a God, it's destructive. It's poisonous. But there's other idols. There's the idols of individualism. Not individuality. God's made us all different, all unique. Praise God for that. But individualism, 
the great God of self when it's all about me and it's what I want and nobody can tell me what to do. We're worshipping an idol. Or the great God choice, consumerism. It's what, I, what do I get out of this world? We've lost a sense of the need for service and sacrifice and yes, even doing our duty because it's what do we get? Even church can be something we consume if we're not careful. And just as in the Bible times, you won't recognize necessarily the, 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 the idols of Bible times. There was idols like Moloch and Baal and Asherah. And people ended up sacrificing their children to these gods. And it might seem like I'm being extreme, but people die when we worship the idols of this world, when we just go with the crowd. We're in this world, but we're not of it. You see, C.S. Lewis said this, there's no problem with the boat being in the water. It's when the water gets into the boat <laughs> that there's a problem. We're in this world and we can enjoy many great blessings of this God-given world. But when we get the values of the world get into us and start shaping us, then there's a problem. We're to be shaped by the values of a different world, by the kingdom of God. And if you're, you've just become a Christian or you're thinking about being a Christian then we just want to encourage you to know there's, we live by different values in a different way as Christians in the kingdom of God, or at least we try to. But those of us who have been Christians for a long time, we have to be careful because we can sometimes not realize we're bowing down to the idols of this world. We're following the cultural tide of this world. It's a bit like it's a well-known illustration of boiling a frog. And I'm really sorry, I'm not encouraging boiling frogs or anything like that. I just, it's just an illustration. You want to boil a frog, you don't get all the water hot and then put the frog in because the frog will just jump out. You put the frog in the cold water and slowly heat it up. I know people are going to be saying in that church they teach us how to boil frogs. So no thanks, I'm sorry, it's just an illustration. And as Christians we can really not realise that we are just conforming to the culture of this world gradually and slowly and so we have to be on our guard. So... In relation to, particularly, the beliefs we hold, the values we live by, the way of life, these are not answers, they're just pointers to to some of the things that we might be able to do or we can do to help us to negotiate this challenge of living in the world, but not of it. And the first one I want to say, and hopefully it'll appear on the screen behind you, number one, know what you believe. Know what you believe. Now, for these first three ones, we're going to have to do a bit of head work. And a lot of us as Christians, we rely very much on our feelings and our experiences. But in the days that we're living in, and in the days that we're approaching, we've got to actually do some real strong and clear thinking about some of these things. Know what you believe. And again, if you've been a Christian for a while, can I just say to you, knowing what you believe, it's not necessarily what you've always believed. It's not necessarily what you've always believed. Some of what we've believed may have been wrong. So I'll say more about that later. And also, what you can't do is go to the Bible as if it's some kind of encyclopedia of beliefs and look it up in an index and say, okay, that's what I'm supposed to, to believe. Or, you know, talk about sex before sex or sexuality. Whatever. That's what I'm supposed to believe. No, that's not how it works. The Bible is a story. The big story of God's great purpose, about how God created the world and we corrupted the world 
But Jesus, God never gave up hope for this world and he sent Jesus. And because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, there's hope for this world. And we as his people are called to partner with him in renewing and recreating this world. And Jesus is going to come again and he is going to make all things new. That's a summary of the story. That's the story we call the gospel. And the thing is, folks, we don't just share the gospel. We should certainly do that. But we live in the gospel. You see... Somebody put, put it this way, in knowing what we believe and in facing a world which seems to believe different things and hold different values, it's not the time to argue a better case. It's the time to tell a better story. It's a time to tell them the story of the gospel. But we have to live in it and let it shape us. And what we believe comes out of living in the story, not trying to look up in an index what I'm supposed to believe about something. Live in the story and let the story shape you and mold you. I was reading recently again that wonderful little story about those disciples on the road and the Jesus has died and they've given up all hope. And then Jesus, the risen Jesus, comes alongside them and he explains from the Bible, from the scriptures, all about the story and about how he is the center of the story and how they can be part of the story. And suddenly they're given hope again. When you live in the story, you not only find hope, but you find reorientation, redirection. And you know you're facing a, uh, a crazy world, a changing world from a secure foundation because you're living in the story of God. So first of all, oh, and by the way, I want to mention some little tools which we will encourage you to, to use to be able to do this. We're going to put these on the website and on Facebook or what have you. And I, I used a Bible project last week and I want to encourage you to, if you can, and this is where the, the internet is good. So the internet is not all bad. We can use the internet for good. Um, but use the Bible project. It's brilliant at showing you the story of God's word. And I'll mention another one in a minute. But the second one is this. It's know why you believe what you believe. Know why you believe. And it's partly because you've lived in the story of Scripture. But it's it's one thing to get hope ourselves, but it's another thing to be able to give a reason for the hope we have to other people. And we've got to be able to give a reason for the hope. And there was a time, maybe, years ago, when we could have just said, the Bible says, and that would have solved it. But we're not living in that culture now. We need to be able to explain why this story makes us believe these certain things about whatever it might be. And again, I want to encourage you to use a tool. And you've got to be prepared to do some head work if you're going to do this, by the way. Some tough thinking. There's a great little uh, resource, podcast, I don't know, videos on YouTube, I don't know what you call it, but called Unbelievable. I think it's an unbelievable question mark. And you get Christians talking to, sometimes to non-Christians about things, but you get Christians talking to other Christians and having a conversation about certain things that kind of affect our culture and what we are supposed to believe about that and why we should believe that. And it's a conversation. You see, the thing about knowing what you believe and why you believe, it is a process. As I say, it's not just look up in the index. It's a process of being formed by the Bible. And we do it in conversation with one another. We learn together. And it's in that way that we'll learn not only what we believe, but why we believe what we believe. And then thirdly, slightly different, know how to believe. That's an odd one. Know how to believe. Well, let me explain. I went through a bit of a crisis a number of years ago, and one of the things that happened was I thought, do I really believe what I think I believe? 
What do I believe? I had a bit of a crisis and I had to go right down back to basics. Now I came out of it, I'd be glad to tell you this, but the thing what happened is I changed some of the things that I believed. I realized some of the things I believed, I thought, no, they're wrong. I don't believe that anymore. And on other things, I was strengthened in my beliefs. I became even more convinced about certain things that I do believe. But what changed the most was not so much what I believed, it was how I believed. Because before, I'd believe things like rigidly, dogmatically. I knew what was right. The Bible says, and I, you know, I wouldn't brook any argument. I, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I, you know, I, I, that's, that's how I believed. I was dogmatic. Some of you are laughing because you remember me like that. Um, I was dogmatic. I was rigid. I'm not like that anymore, hopefully. And we shouldn't be dogmatic and rigid. But neither should we be so open that we're blown about by every idea, every belief that's out there, and we get swept along again with the crowds or the cultural tide. We have to combine both this kind of rootedness in knowing the essence of what we believe. To be honest with you, once you've got the fact that God is real, he, we, he created the world, we corrupted the world, Jesus' death and resurrection are changing the world, and we get to be a part of that, and Jesus is coming again. Once you've got those essentials, there's a whole lot of other stuff. We've got to work it out on a journey together in conversation as Christians. So it's to do with how you believe. Not just what you believe or why you believe, but how do you believe. Let's have that a humility and an openness to be able to listen to one another and to other people, but not being blown about by every wind of teaching. Does that make sense? And finally, of course, the most important thing. I've said there's some head work that's got to be done. We've got to think these things through, folks, because we're living in such challenging and changing times. We've got to think these things through. But at the end of the day, it also comes down to heart work. Because it's not only what you believe and why you believe what you believe and how you believe. It's who you believe. Who you believe. And I am reminded of an old song, Don't Worry, I Won't Sing It, and of an old hymn we used to sing when I first became a Christian. It says, I know whom I have believed. Notice we said whom in those days, because we still did grammar proper in those days, right? <laughs> I know who I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him for that day. It's based on the verse, the Apostle Paul, one of the early church leaders, he said it's based on this verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What have we entrusted to him? We've entrusted our soul, the very essence of our life to Jesus. And you see, Jesus himself said, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What will it profit you if you go with the crowd, whichever crowd it is, but you lose your soul? I'm not entrusting my soul to the crowds. I'm not entrusting my soul to this world. I'm entrusting my soul to Jesus. And he is able um, to guard it until that day. Which day? The day when he comes again. The day when all things are made new. And then it will be revealed what's true and what's right and what's good. And so it's not just what we believe, why we believe, how we believe. It is, most importantly, who we believe. Who do we trust? And if you want to stay rooted and solid and centered in a crazy changing world, then live your life focused around Jesus, follow 
Jesus. Center your whole life around him. Live a prayerful life, a life devoted to Jesus. And right now, we're going to do right. We're going to focus. We were encouraged by Paul during the worship. Let's just keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Friends, do the head work. Have a look at the Bible Project. Have a look at Unbelievable and other resources that we'll let you know about. Do all the hard thinking and the head work. But above all, do the heart work of focusing your life and centering your life around Jesus. I know, we know who we have believed. And we are convinced that he's able to guard that which we've entrusted to him until that day. And so, Lord Jesus, we just turn our eyes to you again. We focus on you. Not just right now in this moment when we worship together, but Lord, help us to live lives that are centered around you. Help us to be followers of you, Lord Jesus, in real life, in everyday life, in this real world. Help us to live as exiles in this world, following you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh,